Thank you, James. Namaste. Let me make a little correction. I was a psychiatrist, but having realized the limitations of psychiatry that I had studied in the medical school, I have entered into what may be broadly called as the spiritual approach, the spiritual way of life. But actually it is not an approach or way as we understand because approach and way is still when we are trying to reach somewhere. It is a change of consciousness if we really talk about spirituality in the true sense. So there is a state of consciousness in which we are bound by certain habitual reactions of the mind, the vital, the senses, the body. Nature has drawn a magic circle and within which we act and react like a monkey whom, you know, he acts according to the madari, the, the person who makes the monkey jump. I don't know what is called in English, the monkey man, <laughs> the trainer. But there is another state of consciousness where we are no more the monkey and we are freed from the habits, habitual reactions of mind and heart and vital and the senses and the physical nature. And there is a third step after we are free that we can give a very different reaction to the same event. And there is a fourth step where not only we give a different reaction to the same event, where we even perceive it very differently, which is what transformation is about. So the first is where we are completely bound. And over a period of time, nature has evolved certain mechanisms which includes the experience of grief and pain. It is, at if we go to its deepest sense, it is a kind of, uh, uh, maybe illusion may sound a very harsh word, but ultimately it is because of the way we perceive reality. So when something vanishes in front of our eyes forever, but the memories remain, we use the word grief. Take an example that when someone goes abroad, earlier nowadays the travels are, have become very easy. But earlier in long, long time back, you know, when people went abroad on a steamership for maybe years they were gone and there, was, there were no mobiles to track or anything. So during those days when people uh, returned back, for a long time there was very little communication. The communication was through letters and everything. But there was no such sense of grief or loss because human beings were, you know, we those who were left behind knew that there, there is going to be a return. This knowledge itself was a great knowledge to help us. Now, why I'm saying so is because um, sometime back, mother's great-granddaughter made a very interesting observation, not great-granddaughter, her granddaughter. So she was sharing this thing about with me and she was saying that, you know what, uh, I have seen something very interesting about um, one of the differences I see in India and uh, the Western context is how people react when they die, when people die. So I asked her, what do you, what is your observation? She said, you know, in India, somehow when people die, that kind of sense of grief is not there as she has observed in the Western context. Now, I don't know about you know what is observed in the western context but she explained very beautifully she said because there is this belief in rebirth so it is something so similar to the fact that somebody has gone on a journey 
and the person is going to come back. Now, even if you do not see, even if you have left your body, but you don't die with this idea that, you know, the person will not come back, the person will come back. He is not lost forever. Whereas on the other hand, there is another state in which we think the person is lost forever. Of course, there is this idea of the last judgment. Uh, someday, you know, when everybody will rise from the grave and or, you know, wherever they are, and there will be a judgment. But that is a different thing altogether. So this kind of a um, idea, this kind of a knowledge, it helps a lot when we deal with things. So the senses feel the loss because the senses have limits. It's like somebody who has traveled abroad and you're hardly in communication. But the mind remembers. So very often it has been seen, it's a very interesting phenomena, that sometimes even when somebody has gone away, and it's very interesting to see this phenomena, I have observed it as a psychiatrist number of times, that sometimes people go into a reverie and instead of grief, paradoxically, they give a response as if the person is present, there is even a smile. And we, in, in conventional psychiatry, is taught that you shake them up. You know, they must cry. But the person, they, the word used is denial. Now, it's not really denial. It's senses have one way of experiencing things. But the mind has another way of experiencing the same reality. The person exists in some state of memory and you can bring out uh, a different kind of response and this is very useful in therapy because what do we really do in therapy when somebody has gone away because uh, you know somebody has been lost either because of death or because of you know separation due to various reasons so there are two responses we can give one is the response of uh, pain sometimes bitterness uh, paradoxically even after going away i remember a couple who lived together for 60 years then they, they were like inseparable and always together and after this uh, man died, so I was asked to break this news to the lady because she used to be quite a you know, difficult person. So probably they felt I am a little more difficult person so I could break the news. <laughs> so I went and explained to her that you know he is now with mother. She looked at me for a while. Then she started left and right all the choicest words about that man. How dare he go away without telling me, leaving me behind. So now what happens is, it's not the person, but what the person represents to me. He was like a constant companion. So when the person is gone, it's not just the person which is gone, but the companion who is gone. Now this is where we have to understand that each person represents in our life something of some value and it is this that we miss. For instance, a rich man's husband, a rich woman's husband, let me put the analogy a different way, who is only eyeing on her money, will feel the loss of money when she goes away. It's not so much love and you may see him weeping, but it's because suddenly there is this loss event. So it's the value of a person. But another person who loves a lot will feel the loss of something in the emotions. So there is a representation that each person has in our life and it is that which we miss. So let's go back to the origin. What is the person representing? A value. Now what is this value? This value may be in terms of money. This value may be in terms of emotions. This value may be in terms of friendship, etc., etc. 
So what is the way out? The way out is that we understand that all these are representations. In reality, in reality, that's how the spiritual consciousness works. There is only one who is the true friend, the eternal friend, the companion, the husband, wife, child, parents and every other figure we can imagine. Even an enemy. Some people miss even their enemies. So, when we start living in this way, then we understand that though the image has been withdrawn, but the person continues to exist. The one person who has assumed all these figures. This is where spiritual consciousness takes us. And this state is called one and oneness. Now, many people when they think about one, they feel all this is annulled. That means, oh, all this is illusion. No, that's not what it means. It means that each person is a figure of something else, that which transcends it and uses it. You know, like on a computer screen, you have icons. Now, icon is only a representation of something else. Through the icon, you can enter into some other, some window or some other, uh, you know, whatever files are there. So, each person in a life represents in our ignorance something of the divine reality, but we are not ready to behold Therefore, that person is, you know, there is a whole play in which we are uh, trained and taught to, you know, experience life in a certain way. But then, because all these persons, all these figures are temporary and transient, therefore, we are driven to seek the permanent and not be happy only with the transient. So, they, if we look at it like this, uh, from the state of consciousness in which currently we dwell, a limited state of consciousness, grief and loss are a reminder that the happiness that we enjoy, the companionship that we enjoy are imperfect and of a temporary nature. Now, there are two conclusions one may draw from this. One is that all this is transient and temporary, therefore leave it only in search of the permanent. That is the Buddha's solution. But the other is, the Jivan Mukta, Shri Krishna's solution that live amongst everything and everybody, deal with everyone, but know that each person is a role playing by the one. The person whom we call as wife, husband, lover, friend, beloved, they are all ways through which the one reality is trying to reach out to us because we are so small and limited that we cannot directly comprehend that reality. So he's reaching out to us in these ways which is more approachable. Because if it were to come to us as it is, we, we would not be able to behold it. See, that's what we see in the Gita in that grand vision, one of the most liberating chapters. If somebody is struck with grief uh, and loss, of course, soul of Savitri is wonderful. But before Savitri, if there is any other scripture which suddenly liberates you, is chapter 11 of the Gita. Because Arjuna asks the same question, you are my friend, but who are you? Do I really know you? And he shows the Vishwarupa. Now, this is true of every relationship, incidentally, though there it is the avatar, so he could manifest himself fully. Is it not true that each one is the divine wearing a human guise? That's how when mother was asked that, who am I? She said the divine in many disguises. So when we deal with this world of name and form, we think that disguise is the permanent thing, the real thing, then we are disappointed. Because it's still made up of stuff which is temporary, transient, imperfect. The mold is imperfect. So we deal thinking that deep inside there is that essence which is perfect, but we are 
involved only with the disguise but disguise is fall away with time and frankly it is a wonderful thing to happen that's why grief comes to remind us pain is the hammer of the gods to break a dead resistance in the human heart if the heart were not forced to want and weep his soul would have lain down content and ease and never learned to climb towards the sun and never learned to exceed the human start so if we look at nature's mechanism it is so beautiful i mean beautiful in the sense that everything is inbuilt within it to help us grow in consciousness and arrive at that point where we are meant to be so grief and pain are or losses are a reminder to find the one who doesn't you know who is not subject to death who is immutable who is perfect this is the first step and unless we do that whatever attitudes we may take whatever belief systems we may take the heart and the senses are going to suffer the mind can to an extent conjure things now let's take about the heart we miss a person and we uh, you know when a person whom we have loved and has gone away now what do we really miss what is it that you know is it for the person that we are having grief or is it because of ourselves if we really look at very closely we will see that it is because of ourselves that we feel the pain after all the person whether we believe in um, a rational thought which doesn't believe in god uh, wherever he is or if at all he is if it was dust or matter he is gone he is at rest rip if we believe in soul the person is again in in a onward journey so if we really love somebody what should be our attitude it is love not for my sake but love for the beloved sake he is happy on his journey so who are we and why should we try to pull him back into this stuff of imperfection when he is decided to leave so if we really closely look at the phenomena even just reflect a little then we realize that we grieve for those who have gone away from our lives not because of them people often say oh you know they, the person has gone away it's not that person whom we should worry about it those who are left behind and why because they have invested all their emotions all their feelings into a you know a bank which is going to crash <laughs> you know when you invest in certain shares it's written below they are subject to market risk now <laughs> human body and human life don't we all know it is something perishable it is something which is going to go away now if we invest all our emotion into that suddenly when the person goes away what we discover within us is an empty space and that empty space is called abyss see it's like a room where we have filled up objects or something and when the object breaks away then we suddenly find the whole room is empty so when a person goes away one of the common experiences in life is the sense of emptiness so how do people normally fill this emptiness the advice is become busy so people get busy with work they get busy with uh, 100 things they get busy with relationships okay that person is gone some days grief is enough now you know find somebody else now what happens in the process is that we have constantly we are subjecting ourselves to the same problem problem is not resolved because this too will collapse into the abyss abyss can never be filled with any human being or object or anything which is transient and perishable so how can this abyss be filled and this abyss is constantly longing see for a while we have a person in our life 
and we feel we are happy and satisfied. But this abyss will long for more. It is the original inconscient base. It is infinite. It will long for more. So when it longs for more, even when the person is present, you will feel the loss, you will feel the pain. And worse still, because the person is there with you and you can do nothing about it. <laughs> See, this what in life, this is the real time tragedies which take place. The lover is there, but the love is gone. It's a worse situation to be in. So, these, given these things, what is the solution really? It is only when we understand that only and only the divine love, it can fill the abyss. Human love is a distorted reflection. It's the same thing, but distorted. So, it can never fill the sacred thirst. It can never fill the infinity that we, you know, that longs and cries and craves for someone. It can only be filled with the divine love. So, what is the way out? Should we leave the world and only turn toward the divine? Well, some people do it. Bhaktas do it. Today I was watching in, you know, sometimes these interviews of sadhus, sannyasis. So, how do they manage life? So, they kill their senses, they kill their emotions, they kill everything and they say they turn exclusively to God. So, they don't feel pain and grief. That is not the way, at least in the yoga of transformation and that gives a lie to creation itself. So, what is the way? To love every, everybody and everything by searching the divine principle inside. By looking upon everybody as the divine in a human guise. It's a difficult thing to do because sometimes human ego will come in between. The person will say things, do things which you may not like. Well, in real life even divine does things which we may not like. So if it's a, good, a very good training for us that yes, but still we continue to love. So this is how... One uses life as a means to go deeper and discover that true principle. Same thing happens with every object. Every object that we use, you know, gives us a certain joy, is taken away from us. Now, when we have understood that it's not the object that gives joy, it's the way the mind values it. There's a very nice little story about a empress. She, uh, you know, her wonderful mirror, very expensive mirror, got broken because a maid was mishandling it. And the maid comes and says, Oh Empress, I am so sorry, I am afraid. The mirror from China is broken. And now she is ready for the punishment. So the Empress looks at her, sees a uh, deeply spiritually wise woman. And then she says, Very good. The object that was flattering my vanity has been broken. So it's the way we look at things. Now, this way we look at things is very easy to say, but it doesn't come naturally to mind. It comes through sustained practice. That's why it's very easy to give such advices. But very difficult. Why? Because it's only if we live life in a certain way that we can handle these moments. It's not like when there is a loss event, suddenly I can become deeply spiritual. I know of a person, even reading a literature doesn't help us. I know of a good friend, God bless him, his grandfather when he was on deathbed. So suddenly this man went there and gave him an advice that Dadaji, why are you so much afraid of death? You have been reading the Gita. What is there to feel afraid about it? So the Dadaji looked into his eyes, said nothing. Ultimately he died. So this man was describing me that same night his Dadaji came into his dream. And he felt a searing pain in the heart region. 
tremendous pain as if somebody was pulling cutting off the strings of the heart and this dadaji knows what he is experiencing so dadaji tells him grandfather tells him so now you know what is the pain of death he got up with sweat all over he described to me this experience he got up with sweat all over full of terror and fear and then he got up and just to relax himself he randomly pulled one of the books of shirbindo on the upanishads randomly opened a page and there it was written that the self the soul is tied with 101 strings to the body it is this when it is detached that we experience the pain of death so this is a real phenomena so what is the solution the mother says very beautifully live a life with a certain degree of detachment you can't have the cake and eat it too <laughs> you can't lead a life lead a life which is full of deep attachment and you know life of ignorance suddenly you know when there is a pain because something has been snatched away we curse god or complain god actually that is a grace to remind us so it's always good in life to keep the tadka of detachment always ready and the way to practice is to always step back and look at all the phenomena and appearances they will come and go it's one of the simple exercises two simple exercises is in pondicherry it's very easy but one can do in mind's imagination look at the ocean look at the rolling waves they come and go they come and go yet they seem the same you can't make a difference so in life things come and go and come and go and they yet they look the same but what is the deeper truth we must remember is not the waves but the ocean that's where we must tap into in everything with everything we should be there the second thing which we should which helps us is the vastness of the creation when our life is focused on one small object which we have made everything you know some people unfortunately make one human being or make uh, one thing the whole object around which they dance and naturally when it is taken away the life crashes but when you look at the sky there are countless stars all the time appearing and disappearing we don't even get to know the total picture the larger picture is ever so beautiful so always to remain connected with the larger picture and for that we have to learn not to be glued to the scene which means less of television less of whatsapp <laughs> all the time this impulse the moment there is whatsapp any video anybody sends you have to click and see why is it really necessary if you want to put a like don't want to disappoint him or simple thing put a namaste let the person wonder whatever it means whether it's a like dislike or ambiguous so but it's not necessary pick and choose what one wants to see same thing with the screen now you see the power it can be so so powerful when we are completely uh, attached to the phenomena so lot of people during this all this corona episode now also they ask so they oh, what are your views about corona and all this and that and you know vaccination all this so as i mean is this the first time human beings are dying on earth i mean is is it that death is taking place for the first time you know the story of buddha when someone went to buddha and asked him buddha are you god he said well if you believe so so he said then can you make the dead come to life he said well if you believe so he said then please somebody has died in my family so can you do it for me he said very simple go to a you know just gather five grains of rice he wanted to go no no wait 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 go to five different houses gather five grains of rice but the house must be one where nobody has ever died in their families 
obviously it's not it's a reality which we must understand that you know so how can we be prepared for it simply by knowing that while all these supports which are perishable in life don't lean upon them for you know it's like a we play a role in a particular life and then when the whole thing is gone there is a beautiful poem of shubindo what is this talk of slayer and the slain so he describes it very beautifully that when there is a scene which is going on and then when the scene is over somebody has died somebody has survived then they take deep lunged relief and both of them get up and shake hands and they are very happy that you know they meet together so the breaking up of the form and the figure is not the breaking up of realities which cannot be broken so while we engage through form and figure because that's what is given to us yet we must know that that which dwells in the form and the figure is he so always we have to reorient ourselves till the very consciousness is changed in such a way this is a passage one is a passage where there is no he there is no she there is no it only the form and figure so there are people who live by they atmabodh for whom the person is only the mask they think is person but it's a persona that's how the word person comes persona literally means a mask so they are attracted and drawn to the outer mask and when the mask degenerates or goes away then itself for them it's a loss it's a loss of you know uh, whatever the the what they had imagined the person to be but there are others who are who link with the person and not the persona is only a um, conduit it's like um, the body and the form there are means to contact the deeper reality even in human relationship the same thing applies the form has an importance because we cannot directly perceive that reality is tremendous so but we must know that this form through which i am engaged with is a means for me to touch that reality and when we look at it like this then we discover in life all the people we meet all the manifold relationships are nothing but aspects aspects of ourselves and aspects of the one each person brings out something from within ourselves if you really look closely with different people we have different selves which come out and hardly anyone with with, with whom are deepest self comes out and where the deepest self comes out that is going to last it doesn't depend upon the presence or going away of the form but all these aspects ultimately are also aspects of the one divine so they need to be also changed into that equivalent so ultimately the secret lies in arriving at that state where there is one and oneness tatra ko moha ka shoka ekatva manupashyata this is the spiritual way and what is this journey which takes us there to live with this consciousness with this not just attitude attitude is still like uh, still not exactly belief system but it is still something like of the mind but to live with this consciousness with this reflection with this meditation that within every different ever moving ever transient ever changing world there dwells the one isha the same upanishad starts with that isha vasyam idam sarvam yat kinche jagatyam jagat tatra ko moh tena taktena bhunjita magrida kasya siddhanam so many times to make it more clear you know shorbindo used to walk and meditate in the jail so many people take it that one of the ways is to walk and meditate now what it means very symbolic 
It means to walk through life and meditate. I look at it like that. It's not just walking as a physical exercise. Walk through life. Many appearances, many things will come and go. But stay in this idea, this this deep thing should be always in the background, running constantly. That all these are not just illusory appearances, but they hold a much deeper reality. And try to come in contact with that. Try to come in contact with that. And every person is a means, wonderful means given to us to come in contact with the deeper reality. Every relationship is a means to get the ego chipped off. And then if we live with this reality, then when the person goes away, then we will not grieve. Actually, paradoxically, we will be happy for that person that now he is transiting and taking a leap towards the future. Because we never connected with that person for our own benefit or advantage. We were all the time thinking the good of that person all the time in our mind. That is the difference between you know, Arjuna and Karna. Karna has not the fortune of the Gita. So Karna fights the war to prove a point. I am greater than Arjuna. But when Arjuna fights, Sri Krishna tells him on one side Ahinsa should have a non-violent state. Don't hate, don't have wrath. But he also reminds everybody that these souls are right now in the darkened state of body. When they are freed from it, they are also on an upward journey. I am not saying that start seeing darkened souls take a sword. <laughs> life has evolved differently and yeah, it's a good thing that life has evolved like that. But there, there is a, but even in war it is still like that. There is no personal enmity but people do fire and kill because one understands that it's not about that, you know, your, that person. It's about a certain form playing a certain role. So live life knowing that we are all playing a certain role and for each role we must try to tune ourselves to perfection as if we have to, I mean, we, we can't play God but in a certain sense, we have to play the role as perfectly as the divine would play it. For instance, if one is a father, have infinite patience. If you are a mother, have infinite love. If you are a, I don't know, divine plays the role of a husband. If you are a husband, Maybe this is the only relation where husband and wife where divine has nothing much to say. But still, <laughs> of course, Ishwara and uh, Ishwari, but if they are not married, they are like eternal lover and beloved. If you are a lover, love beyond the reach of time. That's how one should love. And if you are a beloved, yeah, the same applies. So for each relationship, if you are a friend, stand by the friend through good and bad days. But it doesn't mean follow whatever your friend wants you to do. Stand by the friend, but never deviating from dharma. So in every relationship to play, like the divine, he will never bend down to our caprices. If you tell the divine, punish that person, he is not going to punish that person because you are asking him and he is omnipotent God. He will never do that. He will teach you the way which is right. and I mean right from the higher standpoint. So each of the different uh, roles in which we find ourselves, we must understand we have to tune into the divine truth. And there are so many stories, there are whole approaches through which we can arrive at that. So, to come to the end of the whole thing before we have questions, essentially what we all need is a change of consciousness. The mother puts it very beautifully in one of her 
conversations, she notes anecdotes. She says that she met a mystic in 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 France, and I suspect it is in Ayat Khan. I have my reasons to believe that in Ayat Khan, the famous uh, you know. Uh, the person who could sing and he he was a mystic he came later to ashram also and he wanted to sing for shurbindo and shurbindo was in his room while he sang in the courtyard so inayat khan when she anyways she met that mystic so that mystic confirmed something which she herself knew so he said you know what we say in mysticism do not rub the uh, do not wash the stains from the uh, sheet one by one but change the whole sheet this is the difference what we do is each time we are attacked by grief we wash it off so get busy play do something get involved with work so you are you have washed that stain have you really washed no it is there that possibility remains so one grief should be enough to overcome that entire possibility but we unfortunately as human beings are very poor learners we need several experiences to learn just one simple lesson of life and what that lesson is shurbindo beautifully says in one of his letters it is the lesson of life that everything fails a man except the divine if he turns to him and then he says blows do not come to you because there is something bad in you you know when somebody loses someone you say oh this is some sin or something when you lose then it is some weird theory of karma but when the other person it is sin when somebody when you lose it is will of god but somebody else it is sin so he says blows come to all human beings who is there who doesn't experience these things you know there is a birth of savitri when uh, to rishi markande yudhishthir ask is there anybody in this world who has been so righteous as draupadi and suffered like her and then he says yes in far back time there was one virtuous as draupadi and suffered much more but she conquered it and that's how the legend of savitri is born so he says blows come to all human beings not because there is something bad in us but because we are attached to things that are by their very nature transient and cannot last does it need spiritual books to understand this <laughs> many of these things are everyday common sense experience of life <laughs> and if we don't yet see it then we don't really see it's true that things don't last we somehow try to you know rag tag manage them but they don't last why they don't last the last word because they are not rooted in the eternal if we want anything to last whether it be relationship or anything i am loss events grief particularly you know relates to relationships any kind of relationships root it in the eternal and when we root it in the eternal then after the physical form is gone we can still contact and to roots a relationship in the eternal the first condition is to be ourselves rooted in the eternal if we are ourselves attached to this outer name and form i am doctor so and so have you noted that see my visiting card i am professor emeritus all this is nonsense if we really live like that then it's meaningless to speak about such thing so we must know ourselves who we really are we are the eternal in a human disguise 
we are not as teladde chadin said we are not human beings having a spiritual experience we are spiritual beings having a human experience <laughs> so when we look at life like that so wonderful so we have to discover that space within mother says there is a very beautiful passage is there in collected works of the mother volume 2 those who want to refer it later on it is about to know how to suffer have the laptop so we can take it out and read with that we can end she says that when we to know how to suffer in volume 2 of mother's collected work that when it, you know there is a sense of loss and grief because people are lost or you know whom those whom we had are be attached to she says dive deep down into yourself and deep within there is a light that grief cannot cross it's like no entry if grief tries to come there and we all experience when there is a psychic state then really speaking even if the world were to crumble down it is untouched why because it knows the permanence and the eternal truth of things but the moment you step out there is the storm where things are constantly changing and moving when things are changing by the very fact they are changing it means they are impermanent we don't have to really speaking read a spiritual book we are in a world which is ever changing and if it is ever changing anityam then everything is going to change away but the saving grace is that behind these changing appearances isha vasyam idam sarvam yat kinch jagatyam jagat there is the eternal there is the lord who inhabits all this to be in contact with him to turn to him when we are experiencing such losses is really speaking the best and the most beautiful way to emerge not only emerge from one loss event but make it as a catapult to safeguard against all future losses so just this uh, little line if at any time a deep sorrow a searing doubt or an intense pain overwhelms you and drives you to despair there is an infallible way to regain calm and peace in the depths of a being there shines a light whose brilliance is equaled only by its purity a light a living and conscious portion of a universal godhead who animates and nourishes and illumines matter a powerful and unfailing guide for those who are willing to heed his law a helper full of solace and loving forbearance towards all who aspire to see and hear and obey him so it's a it's not like suddenly we can do it you know when shobinda was asked that is it true that when we take the name of god and depart we go into moksha he said yes but read it with the previous shloka <laughs> therefore o arjuna remember me at all times and fight you can't lead a life which is just you know uh, hanging around here and there suddenly oh geeta it was written you can't even remember because the mind will be so attached to all these things no sincere and lasting aspiration towards him can be in vain no strong and respectful trust can be disappointed no expectation ever deceived so this is the truth of mystic experience and everybody who has walked the path knows it that if we really aspire it's not far away it is our mind that has made us believe that god is far it is our mind that has made us believe that it's a retired man's job retired man's job is only to sit in the house and boss over those who are around till they feel tired and sick and say please when are you going to go away 
It's not a retired man's job. It's a living person's. It's it needs courage. But what else are we here for? So when we are young, before the shadows of grief come to us, we must know. And as I said, it's logical. It doesn't need to read books to understand that everything is ever changing. Our very body is not the same from childhood till now. <laughs> what is that? If we just reflect, we will see we are changing. So in young age, I know a person who. Who said, you know, when he had to go for marriage, then he decided. He said, "See, other things I don't know. I can't see in a person. So let me marry the a woman who is very beautiful." So when I heard this, I said, "What a strange way to choose!" <laughs> because this is for sure not going to last. All other things may last. This is for sure going to fade away. And it ended up split up because you know. Okay, you may not know things inside. It's a gamble. Whatever you may say, go by the love in the heart. But I am not right now going into a marriage bureau solutions of life. But I am just saying that when we are driven by appearances, it is going to change. Are we the same that we were as a child, and will be the same when we grow old? Inwardly, we don't grow old, but you know the body ages. So why hang on to these appearances, which are not going to? They will change. So the, re- the reason is the the thing we have to remember it. Therefore, evolve. Even in a relationship, evolve. It may start in a certain way, but evolve to a point where two people have discovered the deep essence of love, which is ingrained in the very soul of things. Then, one goes. Still, one is together. and of course space and time then no more divide because one has discovered immortal love that never dies and is never lost namaste i think we can take uh, questions we have 10 minutes yes please okay wonderful if i understand the question right how to know that uh, you know in a relationship when we love someone whether it is the divine that we love in that person is that right is that something like that to an extent right so now basically of course when we when we get into love not fall into love but when we get into the experience of love the movement of love Uh, then of course it may be at any level it may be at the level of the mind seeking a companion it may be at the level of the heart uh, or whatever level but since we are by and large or it can even be at the level of the vital and the physical now what happens with most human beings that they that's a contact point it is not the totality of a being now once the initial contact is made and the two people start getting closer and closer then the different parts that come into play and that's where the trick lies or the challenge lies so love seeks completeness it seeks union but it's not satisfied with union at one level then the ego begins to play a part in that process where the ego feels dissatisfied it has expectations uh you know it has its own selfish needs so lot of people they love when they love they love to satisfy a need within it's like an emotional hunger most commonly it is an emotional hunger that one is you know emotionally feels um, deprived and you know it's very happy if somebody comes in the life who can pour feelings of love inside us or sometimes it is a vital interchange which one wants like you know praises or compliments and things like that 
Sometimes it's a mental sharing and a mental companionship. Now, all these kind of loves and un- love, unless they are upgraded or taken to a deeper level, they are going to wither away in a relationship. Now, if both people are ready, they understand that our, you know, wherever we may have started, we have to upgrade it. And for that, we need a goal beyond the human frame, then it's wonderful. But more often what happens, people want to just have a, they think the end of love is physical union, which means marriage, which means children, which means house. Now, this is a crash landing. The flight has not even taken off. And that's why in most of the places where this happens, olden times, they stayed together because of duty. But uh, now it's no more duty, but beauty. So, you know, things don't last for long. So, because there is no such, you know, social frames are not operating, uh, religious injunctions, nobody believes. And there's a reason why all this has happened. So, people don't stay along together. Or if they stay along together, it's with, you know, facade of togetherness because of various reasons. But inwardly, the cracking up has started. Because they missed out on this point that everything on earth must evolve. Everything, this is the law of life on earth. So if the two can be together and they can really together evolve, they must have an aim beyond the human frame. Human frame itself is an ever-evolving truth. So if they have an aim beyond, which means a spiritual aspiration or a deeper psychic state, then there is a full chance for this human love to change into the ways divine. That Change means that there will be no more expectations, the egoistic hungers and desires in love, but simply a constant pouring of energies to nourish each other's upward effort. So the two people come together and they join together because they are trying to lift a flame upward towards the heaven. This is something very beautiful, but this is very rare. Most often it is one person who can feel like that, but the other person may not. In that case, the person who has engaged in love and has a higher aspiration should use this as a wonderful means, training ground to prepare for the deepest and highest spiritual life. When mother was asked that, what do you do when love comes in your life? We are supposed to reject all human love for the sake of divine. So what should we do? She says, ah, go through it. It's the best preparation for spiritual life. But she did not say, that because you will be disappointed, you will therefore turn towards God in Vairagya. She didn't say that. She said, you must learn to love selflessly without any expectations. Which means you learn to give. This is a tremendous training. Because all our life we are taught to take, appropriate. Whether it be from nature to wrestle. This whole law of life which has been taught to us as competitive survival. This is Hiranyakashup's gospel. We should rather live by Prahlad's gospel. It's not snatching things. It's to learn to give. So in any relationship, if we make it based on giving, if we receive, it is wonderful. But if we don't receive, still we give. Why? Because we are moved by love. And because love moves our heart, love has breathed into us, then we keep on giving at every level, at different levels. Even if the person puts up completely a very difficult, uh, you know, outward personality still we continue to give and we give totally without expectations and self selfishness so how will we know we have touched that core if we follow this path a point will come where we will touch the core which is divine divine love and the sign will be a state of perpetual happiness and beatitude 
the moment we touch this bedrock then really speaking all these thing that forgive a person and all this will go away because there is nobody to forgive you don't forgive the divine that you came to me wearing this mask you love because it's your nature to love you are not loving because of what you will get it's a nature to love and destiny has placed you in a certain way with a person or you know in different forms of relationship and all that we know is to give love now the problem there is then how do i get my stores replenished what about my needs so for my needs turn to the divine mother and she will fill us so meaning thereby there is a two way movement one is we turn to the divine mother the source and keep receiving love from her we will receive if we we love her with the deepest heart we will receive infinitely and the love that we receive we send it and transmit it and become a channel for all this in everyday life all the joys everything earthly thing is there but its nature is divine so it is no more dependent on anything external on uh, you know satisfaction of desires or expectation it doesn't mean there is no joy of togetherness there is a wonderful joy of togetherness and if there is a reciprocity at that deeper level it's wonderful but even it is not there if it is not there still the love will continue because it's not dependent on any perishable support so to turn to the divine to receive love because deep within one loves the divine and to turn to the world to give love that is the secret of living life divinely and loving divinely the sign is a state of constant peace and joy so we have to keep working towards it till we arrive at that it takes time it's not easy because in the beginning some especially in the outer field ego becomes very active on the surface consciousness deep inside you may tune but the surface consciousness sometimes people are lost in small little likes and dislikes small little habits so that is the last thing to change but as long as it is there is a possibility of even a trace of sadness with, within us that means it is not yet touched its divine core when we touch it then we will always be in a state of peace and happiness love always brings beauty joy and harmony within the heart that loves whether it brings that in another person or not will depend upon the receptivity of that person <laughs> so don't gauge with that but the heart that harbors true love will always be full of peace and joy beauty and harmony yes any other question no no it is a form the soul the soul is a finite section of the infinite the only difference is everything finite has the infinite within but the soul is like a little wave which is all the time conscious of the ocean depths so it does have a form the soul has a form it can be seen if the eyes are accustomed to seeing the soul but that means detaching from the outer forms in which we are engaged and to try to seek the soul within then a time comes when the inner sight may awaken and one can see the soul which is different from the ghost of you know ghost is the vital being that too has a form but like a fluid forms but subtly it doesn't have a concrete form as the physical has that is why the whole drama is taking place in the physical because physical gives a certain kind of grossness but at the same time concreteness that the subtle uh, elements don't have the vital being can change appearances the mental being you know if we see it can be almost like blending towards formless but the soul is a form it's a luminous form always a luminous form and um, of course classically it described as a you know the size of a thumb but uh, it's of course in the beginning the soul may be a size of a thumb but it can be even seen 
as something much bigger like a whole fire a flame a fire and if it fuses with a you know being from above it can be seen even as a kind of proper not exactly a person but something like that assuming the form of a person so the soul does have a form it's not a formless of course the formless truth is behind everything in matter in life in mind and of course the soul also has a formless uh, essence of it Uh, the formless essence is there in uh, with regard to the soul is that it is always in a state of peace surrender joy and love so when we contact a human being after departure and if we don't feel that uh, you know uh, state of peace when we don't feel that state of uh, uh, inner joy then we can be sure that it's not the soul we have contacted but uh, either the vital being of that person or maybe the vital being of somebody else who has come conjuring as this person because some people try to do that they they believe it will help so they do automatic uh, writings plain shit etc it's not a good thing because uh, you know the inner world is very disorienting if that person comes by chance then we are actually holding back the journey and if somebody else comes then we are just open to fooling and deception so always it's a good thing to send away but the moment we come in contact with the soul of anyone always however small there will be the sense of peace and beatitude the soul of everybody has peace and joy even those which have been in darkened bodies the moment they are liberated they are in their divine essence so there is no question of any fear or anything that you know the word is used in horror movies atma and all that it's all about the vital being it is nothing to do with the soul so it has a form and uh, not like a form that is shown in the movies what is shown in the movies are all about vital beings ghosts apparitions that's not the soul soul is a beautiful little entity often like a flame and it's wonderful to come in contact with the soul even a premature death 5 year old 7 year old 20 year old the moment one sheds not only the physical but the vital and mental sheets the soul is always in a state of joy it doesn't say oh my god what happened to me what a tragedy it is impossible for any kind of such grief to touch the soul it doesn't come there because it's all the time in that state where it knows it's like a wave which knows the sea fully so it knows that where is it uh, lapsing back in the sea from where it will emerge again so it never experiences grief it is only the mind vital of man and physical that experience grief the soul is always free from grief so these stories where oh the soul came it was weeping all this is sign that we have entered into one of those vital zones come in contact with some vital beings whether of the departed or somebody else and it's not a good uh, foray into these domains one should just give a nice beautiful send off knowing that this soul the moment it sheds these sheets will be in a state of happiness and then it will come back for the new adventure always in a progressive march it it's not going to go back so that's something very beautiful personally one feels the loss but there one has to remember the beautiful soul moments so i often advise that you know somebody has departed what do you do uh, instead of brooding over you know uh, all the painful things or the pain and the loss try to string the beautiful memories that's the whole idea of a memorial or you know um, maybe even a not an album which is so much about but you know to recount Uh, the beautiful things sometimes people who have written let's say poetry or beautiful letters please keep them they are the soul moments and soul memories 
keep them because they'll be very useful so uh, turn that departure into now extracting the soul essence of a human being's life soul truth of a relationship it may be few moments but they are the only moments worth it all the rest you know we went uh, there and we went here and look at the photographs is going to do nothing but you know increase the pain yes namaste uh there is a family of souls let me put it like there's a very good question there is a family of souls which means souls which share a common aspiration but you know what kalil jibran said and it's so true mother recounts it children of the same family are rarely born under the same roof but it is possible if sometimes it happens because there are families and i know a few with mother and shrivindas contacts where there are families where the their number of people who have come together for a certain kind of work and one can very clearly see that it's not just a physical family but the family of souls where they are drawn and bond to the same uh, you know family structure to fulfill their work uh, you know it happens sometimes i know a few families where it happens but this is not a common event so because it will be also because the soul is here to take experience of the infinite so if it's born in the same family then you know after a time it's like cloning carbon copies it doesn't experience life in all its splendor and you know uh, vividness so somebody who is born in india once maybe born in arabia another time god forbid or maybe born in france or greece or italy and you know america or brazil or whatever you know so because it wants to experience life like that so the entire family is being born in all these areas is very rare but what happens normally is that they do meet this is not uncommon that souls which have been together as a family and where there was a deep bond they will meet sometime they will cross their paths for how long it will depend upon you know sometimes it does happen that the soul is born in the same family it's not a common event though it's very often done for comforting you know dada ji ki atma is bachche mein aa gayi hai you know the the grandfather's soul has come into this child okay don't disturb that you know believe it's a good uh, people are happy it's okay but it'll be a very hardly any evolution and progression so it needs uh, to go through a host of experiences but souls which are deeply connected psychic bonds they share, shared a common aspiration things which are rooted in the soul and its aspiration they are bound to come together and meet and maybe even journey together if that has been the destiny what is called a soulmate again not a common thing ah wonderful yeah yeah so when the departed come in our dreams it may be a real thing or sometimes it can be an imagination but in the beginning at least in the first 10 13 days when the person is transiting it is not uncommon and those dreams have a very strange characteristic you get an experience on one side you have the thing that the person is dead but on the other side you also wonder that how is the person living that's the character of these dreams whereas much later when they come from memory there is nothing like imagination in a, in a certain sense because you know we are not really imagining to bring a person so but much later supposing one sees the parent in a dream who has passed away or somebody whom one loved passed away after a certain time then this idea doesn't come over oh, what you have passed away but you have still in my dreams so when that happens very often 
those who have passed away they come to our, to our, us in dreams they normally represent symbolically the nature of that you know the symbolic nature of that person uh, the way it represented in our life like parents if they come normally it means the old consciousness or the past consciousness so that's how one has to understand but in the beginning first 10 12 days sometime there is a very clear vivid communication why the person departed so initially if the first 10 12 days if the dreams come even up to one month there is a strong possibility uh, that it's very vivid and one is very surprised that you know is he living or uh, he's supposed to be gone and that is a sign that it's the real person probably in the vital sheath normally when the person is moving in the vital sheath one is close in contact with the earth and therefore one can sometimes those who have been developed yogis can enter the mental world of human beings and plan thoughts and come in dreams but that's a very rare phenomena so in the first uh, few weeks quite likely they are real contact with the real person in a vital sheath but much later it's just a memory not imagination memory or sometimes a symbolic dream where nature is trying to tell us something Yes, yes, very good question. Very good practical question. Detachment. So, so detachment. Ha, huh, I understood. So detachment vis-a-vis indifference. Detachment is not with a person or a form. Detachment is from the ego's way of connecting. Detachment is from the desire connecting with somebody. So once we understand, then we shift the. Uh, you know field of detachment normally when we think of detachment we think that leave the person oh that's the easiest thing to do every person who engages in divorce is not detached he is terribly attached attached to his ego detachment invariably means that i will not connect with this reality with this object or a human being through the ego and the desire self it means that i'll connect with the person through the my psychic being or a higher spiritual self or at least because that is not easy at least with a deeper motive that's all so when we do not attach through the external um, you know for what we can get out of a person then we are truly detached it gives us a freedom and to put it in another way till we arrive at that big state the simplest way is that this person who has come in my life leaving aside the frames and all that social religious and other frames he he or she has been sent by the divine in my life and therefore i must take care in the way the divine would take care so you know that yagnabalk's famous saying one loves the wife not for the sake of the wife but for the sake of the self so instead of loving the person for the little self which is the ego we love the person because the person is a representative of the divine and we are just trustees so when children are there in our life now when we attach ourselves with the ego and desire then when the children grow up we are expecting now i'll get back we use children like you know those piggy banks where they will return to us back with interest and there are some parents who actually say we have done so much for you what are you doing for us we so crude and vulgar actually if you ask me but when we treat them that we are trustees they are they like kal jibran again that they are arrow shot by time you are just the bow they have to reach their mark so we have when we understand that then a time comes when they are grown up we set them free 
we tell them go conquer this world go far and wide into the unseen skies to reach out to your highest goals and then we are out from there so that is detachment which means that we pour all the love everything we will do but we are not wanting something back we are not expecting a return we are not engaged through the desire which clings and all the time you know so that's where we have to understand the difference whereas indifference is i don't care indifference is not at all uh, you know a good thing it is one of the th- ways people practice equanimity but it's only uh, sometimes some people need to go through that stage indifference is a good practice only when you are face to face with people who are all the time accusing you abusing you cursing you insulting you <laughs> if you can't love them difficult so at least be indifferent because you can't use the word detachment there obviously you are detached <laughs> a person who is insulting you you can't be attached to such a person so you be indifferent that's a very good practice or move out of that zone but detachment specifically applies to engaging with this creation and this world and people through the ego and the desire self when we eliminate that then we love in the true way in fact it makes love so beautiful because we are no more engaged in this false and artificial way which is the cause of grief and pain namaste what is it hypno okay departed parents yes so as i said if the departed parents you know it will be rare that they depart together but in the be- beginning initial phases when they come in the dreams that means they are still transiting and quite naturally if they are attached to us they will try get drawn near us especially if we are remembering them with a sense of loss so that's why the advice is when people have gone beyond don't pull them back because they are actually on their onward journey i mean it's like you know remember old time when Uh, people were traveling by train and the parents came and they were crying and you know giving you food and all that but actually the child forgets the moment he is you know the train takes off in 5 minutes time but you know it's not a healthy thing Did send off the person with joy and you know sense of that okay we'll miss you but you go ahead in your journey it's fine it's much better but if they come in the dream um normally means one one is that you know they are still transiting through the vital world and if you are a strong personality they may come seeking help so in that case just pray send them thoughts of love so that their transition is good and peaceful as such we should do it when a person has departed for the next few days we should you know sit together those who really loved the person and uh, send thoughts of love read something and say that you know i am sending this energy to you to make your journey better smoother one can read the gita the bible um savitri in shobindra in the mother's context or simply call god's name or just send thoughts of love and peace may your journey be peaceful and transition smooth but later on if they come in the dream then very often it's a symbolic dream and that symbolic dream is that parents invariably represent the past and the old consciousness something that we have to actually remove from our nature so if parents come that means the past consciousness parents see what do we receive from parents um hereditary things and these hereditary things are both good and bad but in language of yoga it is also called as atavism 
things, you know, your parents pass to us a package, whether they li- you like it or not. <laughs> they pass on some good things, but they also pass on some very <laughs> unwittingly, not that they want to do it, some nasty things in our nature. Sometimes a person may be very good on the surface, but a shadow is hidden behind that is passed into the children. So when we see parents in the dream, that means that shadow or that element has come up to the surface. And we have to change it, not the parents. Parents have gone on the journey. But that element we have to change. Within our nature, it is very active. Some tendency we have inherited from the parents, that is very active. And that we have to change by offering or whatever other means. That Offering is the best way. That's what it means. Seeing parents in the dreams. Yes, I understand. So, obviously, the departed person who has come in the dream, who tells us that, you know, they didn't want to leave us because it's a, you know, untimely and tragic death, it is basically the vital sheath of that person. The person is still not gone beyond the vital worlds and obviously the person is suffering because of the tragic death and, uh, you know, untimely departure. In that case, we have to tell that person Of course, in a dream, we may not be able to, but when we are in our active consciousness, woken up, because that being is still trying to come in contact with us. I am assuming that it is the departed person. Sometimes all kinds of forces can enter into the vital world and can come to us to just hold us back, saying that, you know, I have departed and, you know, like beggars on the street, sometimes there are forces in the vital world and I know real examples and they come to us begging attention and saying, you know, it's been very tragic for me. And that way these vital forces enter into our consciousness. So one should be very careful. But in any case, what one has to keep sending as messages from the mind, thought communication, without worrying about it, think about that person and say, be at peace. Now you have to go further. Don't look back. You have to go to something more beautiful. You have to go to the divine. You will be resting in the lap of God. What is there to fear and feel sorry about? You will come back in a new body and a beautiful body. So that's how one has to send messages constantly to those who have departed. If they come in the dream and express a tragic sense, one has to tell them, I mean, I'm presuming that even if, uh, even if it's not the departed one, but some other forces, we have to tell them to be at peace and to rest in the divine And that's the way that we have to tell them. I've had uh, such experiences of real, uh, you know, uh, what can be called as ghost and trying to. And I had to tell them, look, you know, you, why don't you find your peace in God? And I had to pray to mother that, you know, take him in your fold. It helps tremendously. So, of course, if we are caught up in that sense of tragedy and we start weeping, that means that force has begun to influence us. And since either ways it is harmful. If it is a departed person, then it's like grief compounding grief. His journey is going to be held back. And if it is some other force which is imitating, then it is very dangerous. Because when we leave aside the vital sheath, there are always forces in the vital world which are, uh, you know, uh, forces which represent grief. And they'll come in, they take that vital sheath and they can represent an image to to us in dreams. So we should be very careful. It's always good to tell the person to go further on the journey. And say that, yes, we have missed you, but eventually remember that you have to go to the divine, take on a new body and carry on with that. So that's how one has to send them off. Thank you so much. Yes.